welcome to the second series of the Marathon Medic podcast. My name's Amy and I'm a junior doctor and running coach based in London. This series is all about strong females, so I'll be chatting to women that I look up to with interesting stories and advice to share. On this episode, I'm talking to Sarah Place. Sarah is a long distance runner with a 319 marathon time and she's completed over 20 ultra marathons. Sarah is also a running coach and she shares loads of great tips and advice on her YouTube channel. Today we're sitting down to chat about everything ultra running, including how best to train for ultra marathons and all the preparation that's involved. Um, so could you kick us off and just tell us a little bit about yourself and also how you got into running? Uh, yes, so I got into running maybe like six years ago now, but I was working at uh, Pandora, the jewellery company. Um, and there was two girls there, two of my friends who were training for the London Marathon and they had never, they had no running experience at all. And I thought it was amazing that they were just training for it and doing all the stuff. And I did nothing at the time, like no exercise whatsoever. So I started training with them or like going on a few runs with them. Um, and then I entered a half marathon just to kind of force me to train because unless I have something in the pipeline I just won't do it so I entered the half Ealing half of September 2014 I think it was um and yeah got around that and it was the best feeling like it was so amazing like yeah I can't even explain it but it was just the best and then after that I kind of just thought like why stop there just like carry on and see what happens and I entered a marathon uh for the following spring um and yeah just really like enjoyed the whole process of it like actually for once enjoyed like I had a hobby like I'd never really had hobbies before but this was like the first thing that I'd actually stuck to for a long period of time did your friends that were doing the London Marathon keep going as well or was their experience a bit different to yours? Uh, so they run the marathon and then they kind of had a break like a lot of other people do and then I left Pandora so I, I lost touch with one of them. Um, but yeah, no, my other friend still runs but I think my enthusiasm overtook her enthusiasm mm-hmm. for the sport at least. But um, yeah, no, they're still, they're still going. Good. <laughs> what was it about Ealing, do you think, that made you love running because I actually ran, ran that race as well and I I just thought the support was so good because it's quite hilly isn't it like up and yeah down, and everyone kind of came out their houses from my memory yeah it's so cheering. nice yeah. like I ran it with my sister because she kind of got into running at the same time um I think we ran most of it together except she <laughs> really struggled towards the end and then I just left oh, I actually feel so, <laughs> that's actually so bad thinking back but yeah Ealing is such a nice course because yeah you're right like people come out and support there's like people making bacon sandwiches on the side Mm. and like people at the church handing out orange segments um and yeah I had no idea what to expect like I had no idea that it was going to be hilly that was obviously horrible but yeah it was just great just like crossing well what like what what was your first race um I can't even remember actually that's really bad isn't it (laughs) my first I think the first thing I signed up to was Richmond Marathon that was your first race? Yeah. And I, I ran a race with my mum a few months before just to practice mm. what the race was like. But I think Richmond Marathon was my first one. And I don't think I was prepared enough, so I found it quite horrible, to be yeah. honest. Like, I really struggled in some points. 
Um, but I can remember I did Ealing about a year later and, and just loved better. the atmosphere. And I think halves are a bit more enjoyable. You don't get to that point where you feel yeah. like your body's about to It's collapse. kind of like a mini London marathon, I think, Ealing. Yeah. Because like, it's in London and, yeah, loads of great support and loads of runners. But, yeah, good race. What made you go from running marathons and half marathons to you now do kind of big ultras and have done quite a few of them? Um, I think it's just as I said just like getting to the end of the half and thinking oh I'll do a marathon next well not straight away obviously <laughs> a little while after that um, and then after it was the same thing with the marathon like I finished Edinburgh Marathon and then a few weeks later I was like oh, what now like I can either try and run this faster or just go further um, and I, it, it wasn't until Maybe the following year that I did a long, like a, a proper ultra, me and my sister did Race to the Stones together, but it was over two days. So it was 50k okay. Saturday, 50k Sunday. And it was horrible. Like it was really, it was so hard, but it was so much fun. It was really good to do it together. And then I didn't do anything until maybe a year later after that. So it, like I liked it, but... I didn't really consider that as an ultra, really. Like, I kind of think when you get to, like, 50 miles, because 50K isn't really that mm. much more than a marathon. So, yes, I thought it was, like, a good achievement. Um, but I'd always kind of wanted to do something longer just to see what that was like. Like, being out for kind of eight, nine, ten hours. It's just that challenge thing, I suppose, mm. like, just the sense of achievement that you get afterwards. Um, and testing your limit. Yeah. I always wonder how yeah, far exactly. you go. And with ultras, generally, they just tend to be in a lot nicer environments, don't they? Mm. Like, the scenery is a lot nicer. You can kind of just enjoy it a lot more. Even though you are challenging yourself, you can kind of take a step back and just enjoy it and appreciate everything around you at the same time. So, yeah. That's where the love came from. Yeah. What's the longest distance you've ever done? Um, a hundred and well, 100 miles, but it was actually 105 miles, the North Downs <laughs> way um, in 2018. Um, so, yeah, I've done 300 mile races now. And how long, roughly, do they tend to take you? <laughs> uh, so I did Thames Path 100, which is a Centurion race, and that was my first one. That took 26 hours. God. <laughs> and then North Downs way was a bit hillier. Uh, and took a bit longer so that was like 27 hours and that's the longest mm. I've been out running I mean <laughs> it wasn't all running there was a lot yeah. of uh, walking and eating but yeah that's the longest amount of time I've been on my feet how do you cope with the aspect of going overnight because I think that's what limits me to signing up to anything longer than 50 or 60 miles because I know that then you're starting to go into that zone of not sleeping and, yeah and all of that how do you cope with that yeah, like, I don't really mind running in the dark. Like, that's not an issue for me. Yes, it's, like, you do get a bit tired, but I think unless you're going beyond 30 hours, like, you can just not sleep. I mean, some people take a little trail nap on the side of the... Really? Trail. Yeah, like, for the UTMB, you have... I haven't done the full, like, the full UTMB race, but you get given a like little thing to put on your pack to say I'm okay I'm just having a nap so if you okay. get so if someone run past you they know not to disturb you and that you're fine you're just having a sleep 
I didn't realise that. I'd be really scared, I think. Yeah. Just feeling quite vulnerable outside yeah. in the dark. Okay. Have you ever done that? No. no. <laughs> but, like, sometimes I have been really tired. Um, and, yeah, I can definitely appreciate why people just, mm. like, have a little nap, even just, like, a few minutes. But, um, no, it's just, like, loads of... Like, I just drink coffee through the night and some Coke, just, like, get some caffeine down. And I just try and split it up into three parts, so, like, the daytime of the first day then the night time and then you can just look forward to the sun coming up and that's always such yeah. a nice thing and uh, for anyone that's thinking of doing an ultra what would your advice be in terms of picking which one to start with because uh, so I did one of the threshold events last year which I think is really good for a, a, yeah. start, a new starter because it's so well organized and there's tents with amazing yeah. food so you don't really need to carry anything so what are the things that you would advise people just to check before they sign up to one of these big races I think just researching what it is that you're getting yourself into like the elevation profile and the conditions that it's going to be because you can like pick a 50 mile race and another 50 mile race and they'll be totally different like for example I did the South Downs Way 50 last year and that took me just under nine hours. But me and my friend did another race, a 50 mile race again, called Lakes in a Day, which is in the Lake District. Mm. And that took 21 hours. So it was like, because of the conditions and like what it's like underfoot and all of that stuff, the elevation, it can like have a big effect on how long you're going to be out there. So I just say like, look at previous results and just kind of see roughly what times people are getting and yeah the amount of help that there is on the course like the threshold events they are amazing like they'll really look after you and there's kind of aid stations every what like 10k yeah I think it's about every eight miles and I think <laughs> yeah. that was a really useful way to break up the race I never thought of it as 50 miles I yeah it was just like get to the eight miles yeah. aid station and I knew my parents were going to be there and I knew I could have some food and then it yeah. just broke it up and made it quite enjoyable yeah exactly so I definitely just say like just <laughs> make sure you know what you're getting yourself into and just pick a distance that is kind of achievable like I would definitely just I know a lot of people just think oh can I do a hundred miler without running 50 miles but like I really just don't see the point chip away at the distance Mm -hmm. like just gradually build yourself up because it is so much like a you need to build up like the mental stamina I think to like go up to the really really long distances but yeah and there's no point pushing and pushing and achieving something but having been miserable yeah exactly (laughs) yeah um you mentioned running lakes in a day with a friend how do you manage running such a long distance with somebody else because I feel like people dip and have their strong points at different times yeah definitely um I mean (laughs) for a lot of like the first ultras that I did I did them with the same friend it's Vicky um and at that point she was definitely a much stronger runner than I am so I looking back feel quite sorry for her because she's definitely dragged me around a lot of these courses um but then yeah like sometimes she'll have a bad spell and I'll be having a good spell and you kind of like pull each other like pull each other through it um I think now I just prefer to run by myself just because like I just don't want to feel like I'm holding anyone back or anything like that but yeah I think a lot of people do benefit from having someone there just Mm -hmm. to 
Even if it's just at the through. beginning as well, I think. Yeah. Because I think it's dangerous to go off too fast, isn't it? So if you've got someone there and you say, we're going to run this pace yeah. for the first 10 miles. Just and keep then you can... accountable, doesn't it? Yeah. And also you meet a lot of people on these races. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially, like, with stuff like the race to the king, race to the stones. Like, there's so many beginners. Like, it's all, like, predominantly first times that are there. So, yeah, everyone's chatting and it's such a nice atmosphere, isn't it? And with ultras, um, obviously you have to carry a hydration pack or or vest. What kind of things do you put in your vest and what are the must-haves for these races? (laughs) Obviously, like, all my food and stuff that I just definitely always put it in the front because whenever I've struggled in the past, it's because I've not eaten or drunk enough. So I just make sure that I put all my food in the front so I've got easy access to it. And then just, like, well, a lot of races have, like, mandatory gear that you have to carry. Um, So I obviously have all of that. One of the things that I think is really useful is to get, like, a dry bag to put all the emergency stuff that you think you're not going to need and then put that in the back so you know that if you do get your kit checked everything's in that little bag and it's all dry okay Uh, what do you what would you um i always have actually i think i have the same jacket as you the really lightweight salmon rain and windproof i yeah literally take that on all of my runs for some reason i don't know why i'm always just thinking worst case scenario yeah um, and I always take sunscreen <laughs> oh, well, because yeah, I always worry about that. You. Food, obviously, and then water. Usually some electrolyte tablets. I just had a few like wrapped up oh, so that when yeah. I topped up with water, I could put in my own tablets yeah. because sometimes I find the flavours so disgusting yeah. that I just wanted or my really, own. really just really weak. Yeah. yeah. What kind of food do you take on ultras? Uh, kind of a mix of everything, really. Like, if I'm struggling to eat, I normally just go for gels because they just mm-hmm. go down quite easily, like towards the latter stages when I really just can't even think about putting anything else in. Um, but in terms of like real food, nuts, crisps, like Oreos, like literally oh, yeah. anything, just have stuff in little Ziploc bags that I put in the front of my pack. Um, is it baby food that you have as well? Oh yeah, baby food's yeah. a really good one just because it's like easy pouches and you can just digest them mm. quite easily and they taste quite nice. It's kind of like a healthy gel. Yeah, it's not just a full of sugar. Yeah. Um, do you train with the same food that you then take on the ultras or do you adapt what you're taking? Yeah, I try to. Obviously, like if you're taking stuff from the aid stations and you don't really know what they're going to have in advance... Uh, like some of them will list it on the website but some of them don't so it's always a bit of a surprise but generally I will just try and practice as much as possible with the food that I'm planning on taking just because yeah I don't really like to rely too much on the A stations just because I don't really know what's going to be there and the last thing I want is to be have some stomach issues from something that I've not really practiced with but like my stomach tends to be quite hardy I think like it I've never really had any bad stomach issues I think there must be a mental aspect to that because on my casual runs I can have more stomach issues than if I were to run a race or I can remember on my ultra I had a bowl of pasta halfway around and I thought there's no way I'm gonna be able to run on this and I still managed to run straight away after with no problems whereas if I did that on a like a Saturday at home I'd have been wrecked yeah Yeah. (laughs) is there anything that you've learned from doing these events or any mistakes that you look back on and think wow I can't believe I did that I definitely wouldn't do that now 
Um, I think it's more like my mentality has changed. Like when I first started doing them, I was so negative throughout the whole thing. I was like, I can't do this. This is horrible. Um, and I think that's what made it really difficult for like, if I was with someone, I'd just be like mentally dragging them down. Mm. And it's like, it's really hard to push past that. But now I think my just, yeah, my mindset has just changed to be so much more positive and like, yeah, I just try not to let any negativity come in because once you think that you can't do it, like you just look for any excuse to stop. And I think it's definitely like a mind over matter thing. Is there anything that you did to change that mentality or do you just think from getting more experience? Yeah, I think it's just an experience thing. Like the more of them you do and like the the more success, like the more times that you kind of cross the finish line and you think, oh, actually, maybe I can do this. Or even if it's like the first time I'm doing something, like I've got a big race coming up early next year uh, called the Arc of Attrition, which is 100 miles, but it's on the southwest coast path and it's like mm-hmm. in the winter, like it's going to be the hardest thing I've ever done. But I know that if I have any chance of finishing that, I just need to be positive from the beginning otherwise yeah. like yeah I'll just have no chance so I think it just makes the whole experience just a lot nicer like if you're just <laughs> like smiling and yeah have a positive mindset um and you mentioned the race you're doing next year you do quite a lot of interesting races in the UK and abroad how do you pick these races and find out about them because obviously some of them we we all know about but some of yeah. them are a little bit more not secret, but less, <laughs> less well-known. How do you pick what you're going to do? Quite a lot of the time, I just go on the UTMB qualifiers list because a lot of these ultras have points that you can then use to qualify for the UTMB. Um, and, yeah, it's just like a good, like a massive directory of races. Okay. So it's just a good way to find stuff, really. Um, I think I prefer the smaller races, like with a cup, like... A couple of hundred people rather than the yeah. big like I don't know I keep talking about it but with UTMB I did the CCC and that it was amazing but there was like over a thousand like 1200 people all on like a single track trail and it's just like so crowded and so stressful whereas like on a little race in the UK you get like 200 people and you can just completely run your own race and it's so much more enjoyable, I think. Yeah, you must... Do people get literally almost trapped on a trail where they can't Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I <laughs> tried to overtake somebody uh, because it was just, like, getting ridiculous. And then I just fell flat on my face, like, literally just tripped over while I was, I was overtaking them. And I thought, oh, that, that, <laughs> that will teach me. But, yeah, it's just, like, a one mm. long line of people and you just can't... You just have to, like, wait yeah. it out. Um which is almost the opposite of what you think when you're thinking about running in the Alps. Yeah, you exactly. think of like nobody around. And, and unless you're like at the front of the field or at the very, very back, yeah, it's, it can be like pretty busy and quite hectic. Mm. And um, now you, you basically run and coach full time. Yeah. How did you go from a, kind of a, a working office job to, to that and what, what motivated you to make that change? I think well yeah as I said when I was at Pandora I, that was when I was starting to get into my running um and yeah I just got like more and more into it and it just made me so happy and I just thought 
how can I make this into my job? I thought the only way I could really do it was to become a personal trainer. Like I didn't really even consider becoming a running coach. So I got my personal training qualification um, and just went down that route to start with. Um, and then that, that then kind of evolved into like doing more of the running side of stuff, which I obviously enjoy way more. Have you found that you've learned things about yourself or like your own training from training other people? Uh, yes, definitely. Like it's more like the positive mindset again, like people are just so negative about their own running and they're always so disappointed if they don't hit certain paces or don't do exactly what's on the plan. But like, you just have to kind of fit it around your life and just adapt. Um, do you make your own training plans or do you have someone else make your training plans? Um, so I kind of essentially coach myself, which is actually <laughs> quite hard because um, it's just so difficult trying to fit stuff around everything and like trying to think of, like it's fine doing it for other people, but I just think when it's yourself, it's a lot harder um, and it's been fine so far, but I think when I do arc of attrition, I'll probably try and get some help just because it just takes that pressure. Yeah. And you don't have to think about it. Like someone, I'll just have my plan there and I'll just know, I'll just go out and do yeah. it. Whereas like having to plan it out every week, I don't know. I think with, en- with anything with coaching, like it's just such a good way to keep you accountable whereas when it's yourself you've always find excuses not to do it um I think it will make me a better coach as well like different ways of looking at stuff and different sessions and different approach to things so I think it's always good to like seek help you kind of think if you're a coach you should be able to like why would a coach need a coach but yeah just to take that pressure off and like yeah. I think sometimes it's good to have an external perspective. And yeah, definitely. It can, I think it can be easy to not do your session, but also it can be easy to push yourself and think, I don't need a rest day, I feel fine. Yeah. Sometimes I think you need someone to tell you, like, no, no. Yeah. everyone needs a rest day. Exactly. Um, if someone is new to ultra running or hoping to improve their ultra running, what would your uh, top bits of advice be in terms of training for an ultra? Just getting out in the same environment as much as possible like obviously it's so hard living in London and trying to like train for hilly races but if you can get out on the court well on the course ideally but just similar terrain similar environment and just get used to being in that situation like if if there's a lot of running in the night then practice running in the night if you know that you're bad with your food then practice with loads of different food just like try and mimic the conditions as much as possible um and then like don't neglect speed work like a lot of people just think training for an ultra you just have to do loads of long runs and it takes up loads of time but actually it's still a good thing to be practicing like some fast running as well and just so your body doesn't forget how to run fast yeah um back-to-back long runs are always quite a good a good thing to put in there by that do you mean kind of a long run on a Saturday and yeah. an equally long run on the Sunday yeah just yeah something like uh if you're training for like a 50 mile race or 100k for example yeah like 20 miles on Saturday and then maybe like 16 to 20 again on the Sunday but it's just getting out on tired legs because that's how yeah. you're going to be feeling at the end of one of these things and just 
like knowing that you then have to go out again the next day like that is quite hard like mentally as well as physically so yeah if you can practice being in that level of discomfort as much as possible then you kind of set yourself up quite well I think and for people that are training for long races they're obviously on their feet for quite a long time and many miles each week do you have any advice uh, in terms of preventing injury or trying to minimize the risk I mean touch wood I have actually never had an injury like a serious injury that's put me out for like more than a couple of days like obviously we all get niggles and stuff but I truly believe that it's just because I do a lot of my runs really easy Mm. um and I see so many people just run way too fast for what they would consider like their easy runs um and they're always the people that get injured and I don't know if that's because people are embarrassed about what their pace is on Strava or something but yeah I think as long as you're running easy then and you know you don't have any like really bad things in your running form then I think you'll like generally be okay because yeah you if you're running all of your miles really hard then you just don't have time to recover and then you're out running when you're tired and then that's when you start to pick things up so Mm. um yeah I think running easy and by easy I mean like conversational like you should be able to have a conversation with someone um yeah that's kind of been the key for me yeah, I think that's really important. And also it's enjoyable to run. Well, yeah, it's so much nicer so than just tearing around yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, so a mix of easier chatty runs and then a few speed sessions. Yeah, like thing. maybe, I don't know, I think uh, there's loads of books on it, but like 80% of it should just be like low intensity and then, yeah, 20% like tempo and some interval stuff. Um, and shoes are obviously another really important aspect of running especially when you're doing long runs and you don't change your shoes as often as maybe some people do I think I'm quite guilty of changing my shoes do you often (laughs) yeah so how do you um know when you need to change your shoes oh that's a really good question I don't I mean like I'm actually wearing them now I have four pairs of these road shoes um they're the the Nike Turbo Ones and one pair of them I've gone through a thousand miles on them another pair I've done like 850 and they just feel the same as like Mm. the new ones I don't know like unless they're really falling apart I just would keep running in them but in terms of looking after them um yeah like if they get wet I'll try and dry them or if they get muddy because I think it's like the mud that can kind of break down and like make holes in the upper and stuff and just trying to rotate between different pairs of shoes that's why I've got this like the same pair um because it takes I think it takes like 24 hours for the phone to like bounce back (laughs) I don't know if that's true or not but it kind of makes sense I suppose so yeah if you're running in the same pair every day then yeah they will not last as long so do you rotate but you're actually rotating the same shoe but just different pairs that you've got yeah yeah okay but that's only because I found something that really works for me yeah Yeah. why do you change yours so much um and what like what's so much I don't actually record how many miles I know you're supposed to run about 500 that's what they say yeah change them I'm not strict as that I just feel as soon as I start to feel my knees when I'm running oh really I change my shoe and I'm not sure if that's a psychological thing yeah where I think oh if I've changed my shoe then I've got more support all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, but I actually rotate my shoes during the week, but I rotate different shoes because I yeah. think there's like different 
pressure points in different oh yeah like that's, shoes so yeah, I've got kind of a couple different running road running shoes and then a couple of different trail shoes that I rotate yeah I think I'm quite lucky as well because I tend to run with like quite a flat foot mm-hmm. like I don't land on the outside so like there's no particular part that gets worn down um and that kind of helps a bit I think yeah I've got terrible feet so I've got to be really careful <laughs> Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I was just hoping uh, we can maybe end on some advice for anyone that's completely new to running um, and some tips for staying motivated and getting started. Uh, So yeah, if you're completely new, um, I would just say to like, just not compare yourself to any, anyone else. Like everyone is on their own running journey. So yeah, don't compare what you're, paces compared to anyone else just do your own thing and just make sure that you're enjoying it um run lots of easy miles and make sure that they're easy uh and i think that will that will stand you in good stead for the rest of your running career perfect thank you so much and i think i'll see you in a few weeks at you doing centurion 50 children wonderland yeah are you doing it yeah are you yeah Oh, I'm not prepared. I'll see you then. Ah, that'll be good. Thanks so much to Sarah for sharing her story and all the things that she's learned along the way. If you want to hear more from Sarah, then you can follow her on Instagram using the handle at SarahPlace1, or you can search for her name on YouTube. That's the final episode in this series of Strong Females, but I'll be back in a few weeks with some more podcast episodes. You can follow me using the handle at MarathonMedic or you can visit MarathonMedic.com. Thanks so much for listening.